0: This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. This episode of Profile of 20 Young Poets features expressive poetry including strong language and mature themes that may not suit all listeners. We advise discretion. Profile of 20 young poets on Otago Access Radio, a series celebrating the literary talent of young people in Dunedin. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m., we will hear from another young Dunedin poet about their passion for writing and listen to some of their written work. Episodes from these series will be replayed at 9.30 pm on Thursdays and 2.30 pm on Fridays and available online from www.oar.org.nz and iTunes. <laughs> My name is Kelly Stitely, so I'm 18 and I'm at the University of Otago studying law and a Bachelor of Arts majoring in politics. So I'm in my first year of study. I really enjoy embroidery. That's how I do my, uh, that's my pastime, my favorite hobby. Um, Other than that, I also like debating and canoe polo and that fills up most of my time. Well, when I was a kid, I always loved creative writing. I used to write stories and now I cringe at them because they were really, really bad but I first discovered poetry online. So I watched the YouTube videos for button poetry and that's what really got me inspired. So I thought I might give it a go myself. So the self-love poem that I performed was the first poem that I was actually happy with. It wasn't the first poem I wrote, but all the other poems have now been thrown away. Um, So I like to think of it as being my first poem. I think creative writing I don't think it's an either-or. I don't think it's like either you study it or you learn it on your own. I think you can learn a lot from people who have different experiences and the ways that they learn to do their creative writing. But then I equally think that in order to find your own style, you need to just write and write and write until you find what you do like and what you don't like. When 14-year-old me was asked to list five things that I liked about myself... My pen refused to touch paper. That blank space staring me in the eye was a funhouse mirror, distorting all my insecurities until they engulfed me. With a tightened throat, I called this modesty. When pencil timidly kissed paper at 15, I called this vanity. At 16, I try to erase this word from my vocabulary, but doubt makes me question if the words feel just as foreign on others' tongues as they do on my own. The art of self-love is not easily learned. Self-love is a continuous process, constantly repairing the holes others cut into it. When I pull it thread from thread, then convincing myself it is still beautiful. Self-love is three meals a day, eight hours of sleep. Self-love is realizing that sometimes holding on can hurt more than letting go. People can be poison and will feed you their toxicity, fooling you into thinking it's nourishment, eating you from the inside before the outside recognizes the problem. I had to learn to be my own savior. Self-love is being my own savior every time I crawl back into your arms. But self-love is remembering exactly why you don't deserve my heartbeat. That I shouldn't give you a second chance or a third or a fourth or another acknowledging that you will never treat me like I deserve to be treated. Self-love is knowing that I deserve to be treated well. Self-love is knowing that this doesn't include your manipulation, your words telling me to press send, that I am only beautiful when you say I am, but I am only beautiful when I say I am. Emptiness means nothing until I believe that something is there Self-love does not include your jealous knife, damning words of slut bitch muttered behind the keys of a message board as if I couldn't feel the cuts they make if I couldn't see them. No, 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 slutty, you say, like I enjoy being a slut. That's a compliment, right? Self-love is learning to not romanticize synonyms they cut just as deep as you intended them to. Self-love is finally listening to friends who said, Fuck him. Self-love is blank canvas thighs that stand only for inspiration. My body is art, and it does not require any more sketches to become a masterpiece. Self-love is self-forgiveness, self-acceptance, self-care. Self-love is not guilt, not shame, not fear. It is not the drive for perfe- perfection. It is the recognition that it doesn't exist. Self-love is the wedding band without the diamond, a piece of string. It may be vulnerable, breakable, but in it lies a promise. You can tie it back together. You can sew it up. It may be patchwork, but this does not detract from its beauty. Self-love is a work in progress, a project that will never be finished with check marks but no finish line, and I will be there every step of the way. that poem was self-love so I wrote that approximately two years ago so I was in year 12 I might have been in year 11 I'm not entirely sure but I wrote it um, during a time in my life where I had just been with this boy and he was very toxic to how I felt about myself and that poem was me realizing that I'm never going to be able to get effective validation from anyone else. And the only way that I'm going to be happy with myself is if I'm the one who creates that happiness in the first place. So that poem was about me learning that and going through the process and realizing that It's going to be very difficult, but it's a journey that's well worth embarking on. I really use poetry to express my emotions just because I find it to be a really good release. Like I feel like whenever I am performing, I am giving those emotions to the audience. I'm letting them feel what I felt. And that's almost therapeutic for me. It's a way for me to get over those feelings and I guess the reason that I do it through slam poetry is just because it's something that I really enjoy it's something that I relate to so whenever I listen to other people give poems or perform poems I can understand what they're feeling that's how I like exercise my empathy whereas with other forms of art like with painting or with music I understand that a lot of people that's how they express empathy that's how they express emotion but it's never been something that's connected with me in the same way that slam poetry does. I think when I was at school they did give me quite a few opportunities to actually do creative writing. I don't think I took a lot of those opportunities so um, there were always those like creative writing competitions like my friends used to do them and won them and all of that but I never really gave it a go so I never really got feedback from my teachers about that other than the creative writing internals that we did but those internals that we did I did enjoy so I kind of do regret not engaging more in all the opportunities that I was given so when I was at school and we did our creative writing internals I remember when I was in I don't remember what I wrote about in year 12 but when I was at year 11 I remember we were just told to write a descriptive piece about an event. So even though that sounds kind of restrictive, I found that if you were creative it was kind of more of a challenge than it was being restrictive on your creativity because you take that challenge and you try and figure out ways to make it your own. And then I found when I got into year thirteen, it was like, write a piece of creative writing. And I was like, ooh that's broad and I actually found that to be more difficult than being set a little bit of limitation. When I was in year 13 so last year we studied Sylvia Plath and I adored Sylvia Plath. I loved all of her poetry just because I thought it was so raw and so real and I just found that really inspiring that she was unashamed of what she was feeling and she knew that whenever she published it even if she did publish some of it after she passed away that people were going to criticize that like people were going to say that she was romanticizing suicide and she was romanticizing and exaggerating the feelings that she had but she didn't care because to her Those feelings were real and I think it's really important, especially with things around mental illness, to be real and to say this is the feelings that I am experiencing. Even if you can't relate to them, it's important that people try and acknowledge that because that's the only way that we're going to be able to move forward if people start to sympathize and empathize with what others are feeling. I want you to be my grand distraction, a puddle in the storm. Let me see the sun only in your reflection, because looking down never hurts my eyes. Show me the heavens and the way they peek through the drowning clouds and heartbroken skies. Show me the way you ripple. It's the same with raindrops and teardrops, but only one will change your makeup. I may make you salty, but I hope I also shield you from the lightning, the way it bangs and burns and breaks. I'll make you a sheltered spot in this storm of mine. That poem was Puddles. It's probably one of the shortest poems that I've ever written. And I wrote it just, I remember I was sitting outside of New World waiting for a bus, and I sat down and I wrote that poem. And it just, I think it's less about the words and it's more about the way it makes me feel. Because when I wrote that poem, I was quite upset. I was feeling really anxious But when I wrote it and when I got it down on paper, it just calmed me down. Like I felt relieved that there was something that was gone. And to me, that poem is one that still calms me down. Um, Because when I read it, it's just, it flows, it's smooth. It's about a puddle one that you're focusing on a puddle instead of focusing on the whole storm that's going on around you and I find that to be really symbolic of how I need to deal with my mental health I need to look at something small something calm rather than dealing with everything at once I think that as we are moving forward in society, like, even from when I started high school to now that I'm at university, I think there are so many more opportunities for young people to be able to get their work out. Like, Whenever I started in year nine, I didn't know anything about slam poetry. I didn't know where I could go if I wanted to do that. But as I like grew up and as I went through high school, there were more opportunities. Like Sam and I ran that high school's poetry slam, which we're going to continue into this year. And there's the slam collective that you can go to. There are a bunch of poetry readings. There are so many competitions for young people to get their work out there for creative writing and for poetry. And I think it's really just about looking for them because they are there. And even if you are a little bit shy or a little bit nervous, it's about taking those baby steps, like maybe introducing it to a couple of your friends or maybe going to like a poetry reading with no one that you know and reading it there so you feel more confident about what you have to say. Slam poetry is a type of spoken word poetry and the way that I always like to describe it is it's different from normal poetry because it's about the feelings that you get from hearing what people have to say. So that means that Whenever you read a piece of slam poetry, it's very different from hearing it performed... ...because you don't get to hear the rhythm, you don't get to hear the emotions in someone's voice. So slam poetry I love because the first time you hear a poem... ...you can get like an overwhelming feeling that they're trying to tell you... ...but then you go back and you listen to it again and again and you get the more subtle messages. So it's like a gift that never stops giving. So again, I got into slam poetry. I just found it online... And then from there, when I knew that I had an interest in it, I was able to find the Dunedin Slam Collective. So the first poetry slam I went to was at the Dunedin Readers and Writers Festival in 2015. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so from there, that's where I found everyone else who was interested in slam poetry. And I was able to go along with them and learn from their styles and have them like say things about my work as well and I gained a lot more confidence to continue to write because I got feedback from people saying like oh I really enjoyed this poem all this really inspired me which made me feel like my work actually meant something. My poetry just comes to me to be honest so just at the most random times I'll be thinking about something I'll be like going for a walk or I'll be taking a shower and a line of poetry will come to me and that's always my starting point is I'll write that line down so I write it on the notes on my iPod and sometimes that line will just like die away and it it won't mean anything to me later on but sometimes it just continues to like bug me it like rattles around in my brain until more lines come and I just continue to write them down and basically what I do is I just spew all of my thoughts down onto a piece of paper or onto like the note section in my iPod and then I start to cut it down and I start to refine it and that's when I start to think about what this poem actually means like where am I going with this poem what message am I trying to say does this sound nice And that's really where I start. So these next two poems, I've kind of called them both childhood, because as you'll hear, they're both quite similar. So the first one I wrote when I was in a very unwell state. I was very depressed, I wasn't happy, I wasn't looking forward to the future, and I was feeling overall quite hopeless, and that will definitely come across in the poem So I mainly wrote it more for myself than for anyone else. When I wrote it, I didn't have any intention of ever performing it because it's a bit of a downer. Um, But I wrote it because I needed to feel like my feelings were real. And then later on... Um, a couple of months later when I was feeling a lot better and I realized that those feelings that I wrote in that poem were only temporary they were real but they were temporary and so I rewrote the poem um, and I wrote it so that it was more about the journey that I was going through it acknowledged that there were going to be bad times that I was still going to have struggles with this into the future but it recognizes that there is an not necessarily an end point but there's a silver lining there's always hope there's always something for you to strive towards and that comes across in the second poem i was a moon scald baby star speckled with constellation freckles my prosperous future was reflected in my bright eyes i would reach for the night sky my play toys dangling above me i thought i could capture the world my mother nurtured those dreams She cocooned me in her pondering arms, held me in her old grandmother rocking chair, rocked me back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, ocean waves. It comes and it goes. She gave me wisdom on the way forward, grace on the way down. She knew my body before I knew it was mine. Its its crevasses and bulges, a terrain someone may one day be lucky to navigate, she never knew back then. That I would make my body into something she would not recognize. Hundreds of little ghosts line my upper thighs to indicate something was missed. That there may be a trough in my life that I won't float back out of. I wonder what she would do differently because I know she only blames herself. My first memory of my father is not actually of him. It's of his bright red car driving towards my rocking chair. Gallant noble i thought of him as my knight in shining armor i looked up to him and i still do i wish to take his courage and use it to fly above the clouds and live on my dreams i craved bravery i wanted to be someone's savior and now i can't even be my own he didn't see it coming either It's intimidating to see your father in a vulnerable state. It's the toxic masculinity blossoming out of me, but I just wanted to feel like everything would be okay. That's why he doesn't come to meet my counselor, stands back and timidly asks if I'm okay. I lie every time. Depression imprints itself on family trees, travels down genes, but then where do I fit in? It's not a missing puzzle piece needed to connect the dots. It's an outlier syndrome, something that cries that something is wrong, abnormal, incorrect, and that's me, isn't it? No one can keep up with my ghost, not even myself. I was selfish to begin with. Is it bad to ask for help? I can see it in their eyes. They're tired of my bullshit. He has it coming from both sides. She blames herself. He doesn't know what to do. And where does that leave me? I've reverted back into a child. Tantrums in the toy store are replaced with suicide attempts on the bathroom floor. I need you. I wonder if you ever think of me. While you're about to go to sleep. Waking up in the morning. Walking to class. Do you ever wonder if I'm still here? If I've shed any unnecessary blood, I'll save you from your ponderings. I'm being electrocuted one step at a time. Oh, how lovely it feels to be completely alone. I was a clumsy child. I tripped over my own feet and dreams on the way up to touch the stars. I thought I could fly, but was sent crashing and clattering to the floor. To discover the limits of gravity was to discover the imperfection of the world. My mother was not troubled by my newfound pessimism, but rather she gathered her thoughts in my bundled body and carried me to her rocking chair. Looking up to my mother, the sun haloed her wispy hair, outcasting the shadows that wanted to come and play. Her songs became her band-aids. She mended my wounds on both the inside and out, She gave me reason to believe that words could soar. At least that way, some of me could be flying. We soared and we sailed on that rocking ship. Back and forth, back and forth, conquering the ocean waves. Never to ponder the vastness of this ocean. We sailed, but we also slipped. Down into the ocean where the sinister salt coated my throat, not breathing, cycling down, down, down into the empty, bottomless sea, swirling and whirling as we got deeper and deeper, growing up never comes without pain. There was one particular occasion, one storm I couldn't conquer, the unrelenting winds straining the sails, swinging uncontrollably and hitting me from behind, leaving the ship corrupted by the salty sea. Even on myself, there was no part I could recognize. From every direction, wind, gust after gust, no direction but straight through. Rugged waves pushed us from side to side, and so went my stomach and heart. I gave the sea their contents, but I wasn't about to be consumed. But my rocking ship. Oh, she was steady and sometimes we were left threatened. Still, alas, we were not alone. You're never alone. No matter how far away we drifted, even if it's a speckle on the deceptive horizon, we were always home for in my pocket persisted my father. Some sailors carry maps, but I carried my photograph. An old one, once bright, now yellow. Him, tall, proud. Me, small, loud. I pull a silly face at my mother behind the camera, the setting unknown, the message clear. He was my compass. For getting lost is less about losing sight of your destination and more about losing your sense of direction. My direction was forward. Forward. Against the storm, character-building occurs most during times of struggle, and my father wouldn't back down from a fight. My father was steadfast, strong, and supportive, smart, sensible, yet silly, and together with my mother, their light shined through those storm clouds, guiding me through my pain. Now it's your turn, my dear. These storm clouds may be threatening the stability of your ship, But I promise this fight is one that's worth fighting. You're fighting for your life, your happiness, even if the storm clouds try to steal it away. Your place in the sun is coming, and it's better than you could ever imagine. So rewriting that poem, so I... Did it because I could have just written a completely second poem but the reason I rewrote the first poem was because I needed to feel like those specific feelings were going to be able to change. Like, it's not about an abstract concept for me. It's not about being like, oh, depression as a whole will go away. It's about these feelings of loneliness and isolation and the things I was feeling at that specific time. Those were real to me, whereas depression is more abstract. It's less of a thing I can connect with. And so by rewriting that poem... It was a way of dealing with those specific feelings at that specific time. Well, if you're interested in creative writing and poetry, the best advice I can give to you is just go for it. Don't be afraid of thinking, oh, this is going to be really bad, because you're always going to be able to strive for something that you're happy with. Um, You're always going to be able to edit it, but you're never going to be able to get to a point where you're happy if you never start. So it's about starting, and it's about working through it, and it's about sharing your ideas with other people so that they can help you and so that they can tell you what they think So probably the best way to hear more of my poetry is to come along to the monthly Slam Collective um, meetings. So we have them every first Thursday of the month at 7pm at the university bookshop. And I usually come along. I don't always perform, but sometimes I do. So maybe if you're lucky, you'll get to hear me again. That was the profile of our latest young poet on Otago Access Radio. This project has been supported by the Dunedin City Council's Creative Communities Scheme, Dunedin UNESCO, City of Literature and Dunedin Public Libraries. If you would like to get involved with this project or any future Youth Zone projects, you can call the station on 471 6161 or email youthzone at oar.org.nz. This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.